Microphone check. One, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. The rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. This is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Are you a rap music fan? And not just any fan, but a true rap music fan that wants to move past the surface level discussion and get into the nitty gritty of what makes rap music so great? Are you someone who loves the feeling of discovering new music, but find it hard to navigate through the thousands and thousands of new albums that get released every single day? If any of this applies to you, this show is exactly what you need in your life. My absolute passion is music. So I gladly do the dirty work of virtual crate digging, searching for the next great album so that you don't have to. I am into all kinds of music, bringing you fresh album and song reviews and inspired commentary on all that the mainstream and underground rap scene have to offer. If you're an artist who wants to get their album or song reviewed on the show, feel free to hit me up at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or shoot me a DM via Instagram or Twitter at R-O-H-V-I-E-W, where we can discuss a potential review on the show, potential collaboration ideas like coming on as a guest, or even if you just want private feedback, I can do that as well. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. I live for this. Nothing makes me feel better than expressing my thoughts and feelings about music. So that's enough compulsory podcast introduction. Let's get to the show. What is up, family? I have some very interesting releases to review today on episode 27. Before I get into it, I'm aware that on episode 26, the year-end episode, I mentioned that I'd be moving to episodes containing only one topic, therefore one album review per episode, for example. I'm still working through some of the logistics around that. There's some kind of limitations when it comes to podcasting that makes that a little problematic, but I'm going to work on it. But for now, this episode 27 has three very intriguing releases that we'll be discussing today. First, I will start with a review of Whole Lot of Red, the much-anticipated record by Playboy Cardi. And next, I'll conclude this episode by covering two indie spotlights the first being cosmic calendar by blessed assistant and al patron and then finally i'll end it off with masango ogora's garden of getsemane so playboy cardi is one of the most mysterious yet very popular artists right now in rap He really blew up on the scene in 2017 with some really buzzworthy singles, particularly Magnolia, which was his chart topper that really set off his career. But then in 2018, he dropped the quite highly acclaimed Die Lit. That was really nice because of its creative, psychedelic take on trap music that 
was so spacey and colorful and sweet sounding. It was definitely a pretty solid record. But from the lyrical point of view, Playboy was bringing his trademark baby voice and quite redundant, repetitive, and surface level lyricism that certainly wasn't the focus of this record. But fast forward two years now, we have Whole Lotta Red, which was one of the most anticipated and confusing releases in recent memory, and left many of his fans in shock, disbelief, and often anger. Personally, I wasn't following the mayhem around this album with the leaks, so I didn't really anticipate this album's release in any significant manner, other than general curiosity. I liked Dial It, it grew on me quite a bit. Definitely at first I was thinking this is generic trap nonsense, but then after I started to understand the appeal, particularly in those bright spacey beats handled primarily by Pierre Bourne, it was a project that was fun. But by no means did I love the record at all, or care about Cardi all that much as an artist. But as the release date for Whole Lotta Red kept pushing back, and the hype kept building, and the Kanye executive producer tag was announced, I was getting more and more intrigued. Mainly because I had no idea what the hell this Whole Lotta Red album would sound like, let alone if it would actually release on the Christmas release date that it was given. But Christmas Day came and it actually released, and upon its release, the reception was not positive. Most of what I saw online was downright hatred or calling the album whole lot of mid and saying it was absolutely not what they were expecting and not as good as the leaked version of this album that came out earlier. The reception of this album made one thing abundantly clear to me, and that is that Cardi fans are mad entitled. As one of the most well-regarded artists with the youth, to see them go so hard to trash on this whole lot of Red album within an hour of its release was so childish. But then again, they are mostly literally children, so I can't be that surprised. But still, the entitlement bothered me and felt plain whack, which maybe actually had me biased on first listen to actually want to find something to like in this album. What I did find quite interesting about this album, Whole Lotta Red, is that it sounds like you're listening to this brand of trap music that Cardi popularized, but in deconstructed form. Like one of those deconstructed apple pies that is served with all the parts on one plate, but separate. That's how Whole Lotta Red sounds like, particularly the first half of this album. It has almost all of the same elements of Cardi's previous sound found in the loud, ultra-bassy, 808-infused instrumentals, but it all sounds oddly put together, relentlessly fast-paced compared to traditional rap, and much more skeletal and less smoothed out. This music is rougher around the edges and dirtier this time around, versus the lush, uber-sweet production from Die Lit. And this can be explained by the noticeable lack of Pierre Bourne, who is the musical mastermind behind Die Lit, as he only has two production credits here on Whole Lotta Red. Examples of this separation 
between the sounds that I'm referring to is found on No Sleep, where it has these 16-bit synths that sound super dirty, super unmixed, and rough sounding, and just doesn't blend at all with the rest of the beat. This effect of the separation of sounds is all over this album, particularly in the first half, but also in the latter half's lighter tracks to some extent as well. What really drove this point home for me was when I listened to Whole Lotta Red on my nice speaker system that has a subwoofer. Since my speaker system was more bass heavy, I didn't really catch the detail and the layering between the sounds on this project. Whereas in contrast, when I was listening to this album on my more flat sounding Audio-Technica headphones, the details in the beats came through so much nicer. I realized that there was a lot of precision to the construction of these beats. It wasn't just lazily put together and sounding like that. It was purposeful. On Whole Lotta Red, Cardi wasn't giving his fans exactly what they wanted. Take a track like Not Playing, which details this idea perfectly, where in the final 30 seconds or so, we get this melodic singing from Cardi that would have usually been a larger portion or the entire portion of his vocal performance on a previous track on a die lit, but here it's only in the final 30 seconds. Based on the very clear reception of Whole Lotta Red, it was clear that his fans wanted die lit part 2. And the fact that Cardi, obviously knowing this fact, didn't just microwave serve another die lit part 2 is something that I can at least respect. And you know, in a lot of ways, Whole Lotta Red is Playboy Cardi's Yeezus for a few different reasons. One being that it defied expectations, although to a significantly lesser extent than Yeezus did, but both pissed their fans off quite a bit. Furthermore, just like Yeezus, Whole Lotta Red was more experimental and blended elements of music that was bubbling in the underground space but hadn't been given that mainstream shine. So with Yeezus, Kanye drew from that industrial noise rap kind of lane, whereas Cardi is grabbing from the punk rap, really loud, abrasive, yelling kind of music that is really bumping right now on SoundCloud and among the general young underground scene. This change of pace for Cardi was not what I preferred at first. I actually tended to like the latter half of this record that was much less in your face. But upon more listens, I started to understand the raw first half more and simultaneously realized that the smoother, more expected Cardi sound was sometimes matching some of the highs from Dialit, but other times was just a lesser version of it. But that doesn't mean there weren't highlights in this sweeter sounding vein, like the heavenly new neon, which sounds like a remix of that Uzi track shootouts off of Die Lit, with its radiant synth shots constantly in the beat. That was definitely a good song. And then there's also the Pierre Bourne produced places that I think went over quite well. And then the final track, which was not something that I would have heard on Dialit either, but it was definitely more melodic. And it features this surprisingly tasteful 
sample of a Bunny Vare track that features Justin Vernon's voice, but also some James Blake vocals come through definitely in the mix that I thought sounded great. And it's definitely not something I would expect from Cardi. But then I'm reminded that Kanye executive produced this, which I'm sure influenced that song's sampling choice since Justin Vernon is a frequent collaborator of Kanye's. So it was clear that Cardi tried to balance this rougher sound with a sound that is more reminiscent of Dialit, but I find he didn't really execute this all this well in this second half because the tracks felt like they went from track to track with no rhyme or reason, the sequencing made no sense, and they didn't transition from the abrasive stuff to the sweet, more dialit sounding tracks with any sort of purpose or intention. It just felt like Cardi was done making songs like that and they were thinking, hey, you know, it's 2020, we gotta get those streams up, I guess, or, you know, people have all of a sudden larger attention spans and want hour-long albums still, so let's just add a bunch of dialit knockoffs and fill out this 24-track album. I don't really understand why they did this to be honest but it definitely takes away from my enjoyment of this album so moving to a different thought now more than any genre within the increasingly large and diverse hip-hop ecosystem playboy cardi's style of rap music that is hyper focused on the vibe and the instrumental mood and distinctly not focused on the lyrics has drawn the stink eye from many devoted, traditional, non-youth hip-hop listeners. For me, during this holiday break, whenever I found myself in a mindset where I just wanted to bounce around and vibe and not think too deeply about what I'm hearing and just have fun, this album worked so well. And it's not like I'm breaking new ground here, but this music does serve a purpose. Now the only question is how well did it serve its purpose? The answer is not well as it could've, but way better than I expected. The vocal ridiculousness, I guess you can say, and the really infectious energy is what this album does best. Some of the best moments of this album where this is showed off beautifully is on Rockstar Made, where he says the refrain, Rockstar made, and like they put a bit of auto-tune splashed onto his voice. It's just ear-grabbing, I guess you can say. And then there's Jump Out the House with the ridiculous way that he says the words Jump Out the House in the repetitive chorus. It's so dope. And then another moment I want to spotlight is the funny but unbelievably catchy way Playboy says, we on X, we on Codeine, on Teen X with Future. It's so ear-grabbing, it's so catchy. The key thing, though, that sets this album back is very obvious. It's the lazy lyricism that brings this down for me. At the end of Go to the Moon, featuring Kanye, it really reflects the extent to which this album just does not try at all with the lyrics. Over a apocalyptic horror film-esque kind of instrumental he says i done been through a lot i done seen some stuff like what you couldn't explain even in a couple lines describe what you saw 
describe all this horror, all this violence, all these atrocities that you encountered. You couldn't say anything at all. You just say, I saw a bunch of shit. Is that really what we're doing here? And you know, here it comes. I know what you're thinking. And in talking with some people on Twitter, I got this a hundred times when I talk about this album. Why are you going to Cardi for lyrics? Here's the thing. I'm not going to Cardi for lyrics. I go to him for a fun, loose experience with catchy songwriting, creative production. But especially on the first half of Whole Lot of Red, but still the whole album in general to one extent or the other, his vocals are much more prominently in the mix and is spotlighted more than it ever has. The lack of features in comparison with Die Lit further amplifies this point as well. And it's why, although I don't think he carried his weight, and I'll detail why shortly, he simultaneously is much more essential to this album's success and failure. I would also say that Whole Lotta Red is much more distinctly a Playboy Cardi experience than Die Lit ever was, which honestly could have been wrapped by other similar artists and would have been close to the same level of quality. Cardi didn't bring anything himself special to the table, it was mainly the production. But on Whole Lotta Red, I feel like I find myself focusing on the lyrics more than ever before, and that is accentuated even further due to him taking a more aggressive approach, ditching that baby voice he used to do with a raspy, out of breath kind of flow where his voice is straining for dear life a lot of the time. And you know, I also caught that I'm aware that he used to incorporate violent street lyricism in his bars, but this time around, it's just much more noticeable. I never even, again, even like focused at all on what Cardi would say on a track, but I find myself actually catching what he's saying on these whole lot of red tracks because the dark lyricism is much more in your face and noticeable. Like on Stop Breathing, where he says he's been thinking about homicide with a gruff, strained voice, and it just sounds brilliant. This whole track is genuinely, I was so tempted to put it on my best song of the year list because the energy, the ridiculousness in his vocal delivery, it is just so infectious. The beat bangs, I love the synth chords that they used. It's so unbelievably catchy. But that being said, the lyrical pitfalls when they are not catchy, and when they are incredibly lazy, it's much more noticeable. And unfortunately, this album is chocked full of weak lyricism, even with all of the previous qualifiers of this not being a lyrically dependent brand of rap music. It's oddly enough Cardi's energetic performance that is a key part of my entertainment with Whole Lotta Red, along with the nicely layered booming production. But the lack of features, if we go back to that a moment, I think that was a detriment because although I like the performance, there's not any substance to what Playboy's saying, so his performances don't warrant him donning the spotlight for close to 24 entire tracks. But for the features that we do get, Kanye actually does a not so bad job. I think most of his verse is actually pretty entertaining, but it definitely just falls off on the end. There's no Drake feature on this album, so I think this was Kanye's big opportunity to kind of make a splash in an iconic song with the young kid fans, but 
I just don't think he hits the mark. I don't think it's the showstopper I believe he was hoping for. Cuddy, on the other hand, I think really freaked his feature quite well. He fit so much nicer on this trappy, loud, bassy beat than he did on any of the Man on the Moon 3 tracks where he was primarily rapping. Which makes me wonder if he would have thrived better had he took a more fun and looser approach. Because the way he transitioned between charismatic, wavy rapping to singy-songy rapping styles like a Drake, he really mastered it. It was really dope. Whole Lot of Red's been compared a lot to punk rock music, and I think it is warranted because this album does manage to foster a fun, fuck-it-all vibe that puts a giant middle finger to what the established hip-hop rules are. As I listened to this, I realized that this unapologetic rager approach is actually what Travis Scott has attempted to embody in his music, yet I felt never went into the deep end quite like Cardi does here and really defied all the expectations and rap norms as Travis stays still within a certain acceptable lane and only experiments within that. Whereas Cardi really does give a large fuck you to large swaths of the community that previously up until now adored him. However, I do think Whole Lot of Red would have benefited from actually following another key tenant of the punk industrial rock norms, and that's of shorter track lists. Because this album could have easily cut out five to six tracks and been much better for it. The relentless energy of this album is a strength, but it's hard to sustain when some of these tracks are just redundant and when the lyrics aren't giving you much of anything at all. I know many people may have assumed from my reviews this past year that have been very positive mainly for mostly underground left field rap that I wouldn't like this album. But you know I do enjoy other things and I appreciate not being so serious. So I hope you fans of that traditional lyrical rap don't hate me for this. But for me though, my unpopular opinion is that this album is actually quite enjoyable, and the superior project to Dilit. It's funny, because I feel like I like this much more than even genuine true Cardi fans do. But it does help that I'm not a big fan of his to begin with, so I didn't have any specific expectations when it came to Whole Lot of Red. So overall, Whole Lot of Red is music for when I want to let loose and jump around, maybe while intoxicated through means that are fully legal in the given locality of course, and that makes this music valid and a legit form of music. Unless you plan on never ever listening to an album when you are in this state of mind, then maybe it isn't for you, but liking music in a certain situation is perfectly fine. You know, I don't appreciate uppity music fans. Music is music. Its beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder and not rap fan Karens. And although Whole Lot of Red is certainly not what I would consider beautiful, it's actually pretty good to be honest. This album made me feel a bit youthful again amidst a pandemic that made me age in dog years it feels, where my entire mindset around my social life seemingly has changed forever. It was nice to get ignorant and act a fool, and this music helped me do that so I appreciate it. Although this wasn't executed perfectly by any stretch, 
If Whole Lotta Red is a sign of what is to come in this lane of trap music, I'm genuinely intrigued to see if Whole Lotta Red inspired albums will successfully take this trap deconstruction approach and execute it to its fullest. All in all, I give Playboy Cardi's A Whole Lotta Red a 7 on 10. If you're fans of Cardi, I mean, just come in with an open mind because this is clearly not like his previous music. If you're fans of punk music, noise rock, or hardcore rock music in general, you may actually like this album. It may be the first Playboy Cardi album that you can stand because for a lot of us, Playboy Cardi's been a guy that you either like or absolutely despise. So if you're in for a good time and not something serious, then there might be something for you. This is a lot of energy, and that's enough for me to go back to it from time to time. Now switching gears to our first indie spotlight. Before getting into it, just a reminder, if you want your music reviewed on this show, submit your music via Twitter or Instagram at R-O-H-V-I-E-W, or hit me up via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. Okay, so kicking this off with Cosmic Calendar, a collaborative effort by Al Patron and Blessed Assistant, who supplies all of the beats. So both of these guys are from California, and whereas I'm not familiar with Al Patron before listening to this project, I am familiar with Blessed Assistant as he released a pretty experimental and interesting project with Iceberg Theory, a rapper that I've been very high on now for the better part of last year, who's actually coming on for an interview in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. And that's where I was introduced to his production style, and naturally this project here, Cosmic Calendar. Starting off with the production, Blessed Assistant boasts a trademark trumpet that he uses on all of these beats to great effect. The sound Blessed employs has trap elements, but with an eerie, moody atmosphere in some of the synths that are being used in particular. It's all very minimalist, with the touches of refinement coming from the brass that Blessed brings to the table. It doesn't really sound like much of anything I've ever heard before, which is an accomplishment in and of itself within a genre that is so prolific and diverse like rap music. I love the additional personality the horns bring, because since this instrument is directly controlled by Blessed himself, he's able to mirror the melody of the songs, like how it mirrors the hook on Never Felt This Way, which I love to hear in my rap instrumentals. I really like that idea of mimicking the melody of the actual track. And the intro track, the bass line here, absolutely phenomenal. My god, what a way to start this project off. And I love the hits of horns that he brings throughout the the rest of the beat. It just really is quite an engaging type of instrumental flavor that this project provides. I do think though that on Never Felt This Way for example, sometimes the main drums and the synths could be a little less skeletal or made to be more layered or complex because they don't always wow me. I find the instrumental quality of this project in general is a little too dependent on the quality of the horns that Blessed Assistant brings. So although I like the instrumentals on this project quite a bit, I think there are some 
additional elements that Blessed could bring to future productions to make them a bit more captivating and interesting. Now transitioning to the rapping performance here on Cosmic Calendar, Al Patron makes himself out to be a real character on Cosmic Calendar. What Al boasts is an engaging, entertaining, and pretty odd style that features an animated flow which makes his weird style of singing that he employs on this project pop even more. His style is very reminiscent of a bus driver through the subject matter that positions Al as an oddball with a definite awareness and consciousness at the same time that allows him to not sound like some weirdo speaking nonsense. Al raps and sings in a register that people don't even usually attempt to venture into, singing in weak falsettos but also the lowest of his normal vocal register as well. It all sounds pretty off-putting on first listen, but it really grew on me and now I can say I wouldn't have had it any other way. Just like with the trumpet usage by Blessed, I really have not heard someone rap like Al before. It's it's really unique. On the Road With The Mist track, a track that really grew on me, it displayed these singy-songy parts which I found so catchy, along with this atmosphere and ambient sounds that Blessed Assistant provided in the background, which was a nice subtle but welcomed wrinkle into the instrumental. On Test Of Time, Al incorporates a melody in such a strange and raw way. There's honestly nothing pretty about his vocals on this EP, but it's just oddly ear-grabbing and I find myself singing along to it every single time I hear it. With Al Patron though, the way he writes his lyrics, it's quite scant when it comes to a really concrete theme or concrete story. So. I wish there was more moments of clarity here on this EP because sometimes I just don't really fully grasp what he's talking about or don't really grasp the main purpose, I guess you can say, of these lyrics that he's dropping. But still, the overall feeling and the overall impression I get does resonate with me and I do find it quite interesting. That being said, I think this is mainly a problem for me because it's an EP and it's so short. So if this was spread around multiple tracks on an actual full length, maybe this would bother me less. But another thing is that I didn't really gather who Al is as a person on this EP. I just got glimpses of it. And again, that's largely a symptom of this EP being only 16 minutes. But it's also due to the fact, as I mentioned just before, that the lyrics are often pretty abstract. So I would hope that he could maybe blend in something that makes me understand him more clearly within these abstract, anecdotal trains of thoughts. Still, all in all, I definitely enjoyed this album and I was really happy that they made something that sounded very fresh. What this EP has in spades is its originality. So if this duo stays together, builds on this already strong musical foundation, they definitely will have something great in store for us in the future. I think fans of artists like a bus driver 
or anybody in that LA alternative hip-hop scene, like an open mic eagle even, I think they may find a lot to enjoy with Al Patron's style of rapping. And production-wise, I mean, like I said, it's not very familiar territory for me. It's an odd mix of sounds, but I still think that moodier music fans and fans of music that incorporates trumpets and other forms of extra additional instrumentation, then you'll definitely enjoy the production here on Cosmic Calendar. So great work from these two. I'm really excited to see what they've got cooking up next. And now for the final review here in the Indie Spotlight series for today. I have Masango Ogura's Garden of Gethsemane, a debut EP from him with production by Lowtech. So Masango is a Baltimore, Maryland-based rapper, whereas the producer Lowtech hails from Ohio. Masango has a journalism background, which comes through clearly in this short 13-minute EP, as it's jam-packed with political topics affecting black people, trans people, etc. There are a lot of great lyrical gems here, and it fits into the genesis of this album, being made during the pandemic, representing Masango's journey as a fully-fledged artist, who is trying to do things his own way and explore his blackness as the main focus. He also has a pretty unique and distinct flow, where it sounds like he's tripping over himself, and it reminds me a bit of Mike, uh, the Brooklyn rapper as well, where he raps around the beat versus on the beat. Except Masongo, unlike Mike, certainly has more of an urgent flow versus the monotonous flow of Mike. Masongo also tends to use this rapping approach where he packs technically too many words into a given line, which is something that Talib Kweli famously used to great effect. It's a style that maybe wouldn't work as well on more conventional beats, but it certainly does work on this EP because these beats produced by Low Tech are glitchy and densely layered, which makes the rapping and production a nice pairing together. This is precisely why on Yebambe, I don't think this beat was the best choice for Masango's flow, given that the rhythm of this beat was way more conventional without a whole lot going on in the instrumental, which made Masango kind of feel like he was disconnected and even awkward at times on the beat. But speaking of Talib again, Masango actually takes aim at Talib Kweli with a series of bars using him as an example of broken black boys hurting black women, as Talib has found himself pretty much participating and encouraging even a targeted harassment campaign against a specific person, a black woman, who wrote something about Talib that he did not appreciate. And it got way out of hand. It was really odd, really strange and disappointing from an artist that I did otherwise like quite a bit. But going back to Masongo here, I find it really cool how biting and direct he is with his lyricism, which makes the political subject matter, the social commentary that he makes, 
feel more real, feel more powerful because he's not beating around the bush at all. And he doesn't even remove himself from this equation because he, again, keeping on this topic of pro-blackness and of blackness in general, he talks about how he's complicit in some of the pitfalls and, and problems that a lot of black men perpetrate in the community. And I think that's really mature of him to say, and that makes me empathize and connect with the artist much more here. Overall, Masango shines when he's dropping this kind of abstract, metaphorical lyricism. Like a line he says here on Filler Arc, the first track, he says, you can't kill characters that weren't meant to be written. That is just a really powerful statement that really grabbed my attention from the get-go. And finally, he even incorporates some singing here and there, particularly on Yabambe again, where he incorporates auto-tune and sings the final little bridge to finish off the song. And he does it in a pretty clever way because he's making it seem like it's a relationship that he's referring to, but he's actually referring to his relationship with God and how God is leaving him on voicemail. So I thought th- I thought that was pretty clever. So now if we shift to the production side of things, the production by Lotech, who I was unfamiliar with until today, shows he has some production chops that are incredibly strong, and a knack for creating textured, glitchy, jazzy sampling production that is very reminiscent of something you hear out of the LA beat scene these days. Given its skittering production style and mix of synthetic elements as well as sampling that come together beautifully. These beats here are really fantastic for the most part, especially when it comes to the sampling that is really impressive. He also has these odd warped folk songs that play at the end of the first track and throughout the second track in key parts that kind of signal a transition, a new verse, and a new direction from a songo on the second track that is really interesting. I actually like the folk track that they use. It's really catchy and it adds a certain emotional aspect to the track. And on the topic of things in rap I've genuinely not heard before, this is definitely one of them. I literally thought my Bandcamp app was malfunctioning. I was like, did it go to some other folk album? I'm like, okay, no. This is actually the same song and the same album. And it just was really cool overall. I really liked how they used that folk song on this EP. I love how even though this EP is just 13 minutes long, there's so much lyrical content and beat changes that make this experience feel longer and more fulsome than it actually is in reality. Where I would like Masango to go though in the future is to find some ways to minimize the slurs in his raps because at times I genuinely can't fully understand what he's saying. This isn't super common, but sometimes as he switches to another bar, he just kind of skips over a few words quickly and I can't actually catch what's being said. Going back to Talib Kweli, an artist that does kind of use a similar rapping style at times, He uses strategic pauses and or puts emphasis on certain words to make the rapping more clear and I think that's something that Masango should adopt in the future. 
And finally, I just hope these two team up again on a longer full-length project because they work really well together and I would like to see what they do if given more time to flesh out these ideas because yes, Masango is very direct in the lyricism, it still feels like I don't get a complete view or a complete thought as to what he feels about these really heavy topics surrounding his blackness and his experiences. I am really happy that Masango got in contact with me and I was able to listen to this album because as a artist that's just getting his feet under him, there was already so much to like. Garden of Getsemane is a rewarding 13 minutes of thoughtful lyricism and interesting production that is definitely worth your time and money. If you're a fan of a rapper like Mike, you could definitely find yourself enjoying this kind of rapping style. But in terms of the lyrical content, it is definitely very politically charged, very much centered on his experience of being black and exploring his blackness. So if that kind of content doesn't interest you, then I don't think you'll like this project. But if you are someone that likes this, you'll definitely be impressed by the poignancy in the points he makes and the observations he makes, as well as the way he does it, as I do quite enjoy some of the metaphorical imagery that he uses to make his statements. And from a production side, anyone who enjoys left-field jazz rap production will really enjoy low-tech's beats here. I'm also thinking of artists like Rap Ferreira and his Scallops Hotel production moniker because a lot of that glitchiness and the way the instrumentals are mixed here on Garden of Getsemane, it's all very warm. I find there is a lot of similarities between Low Tech Style here and Scallops Hotel. So thank you to Blessed Assistant and Masongo who sent me these projects to be reviewed because I thoroughly enjoyed it and now I have two new or actually four new artists who I will be patiently awaiting to see what they have in store next. So thank you guys. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this helped you understand what music to check out or stay away from. And now that I've spoken, it's your turn to make your voice heard, so let's keep in touch. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rovieu, R-O-H-V-I-E-W, to connect with me on a personal level, where you'll be able to interact with my thoughts and perspectives on music, surely, but also on politics and sports as well. If you're an artist who wants to get their new song or album reviewed on the show, hit me up via email at qlctv.podcast.gmail.com or just send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. I would love to give you public feedback through a review or private feedback if that's what you'd prefer. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.